0: listening to Inclusive AF with Jackie Clayton
1: and Katie Van Horn. Hello,
0: hello,
1: hello. Hi, Jackie. Hola. Hi, how are you doing? I'm awesome, how are you? You know what? Let me just, can I just tell you, I'm finally okay. All okay. I needed in life was to know where everybody was. Okay. Legit, as everybody, who, as our millions of fans know, Um, (laughs) Millions, um, Hannah aka Clayton Clayton has been in NYC. And they were, you know, living their best life. And literally, um, they came home Saturday, unpacked. I got in bed and started weeping like Schindler's List. I finally figured out, I was like, I think I've been holding my breath for three months. Like, while they've been I'm gone. so, so I feel much better. Okay, good. Just I'm because it's that. an hour and a half instead of a five hour, two hour drive, five hour plane ride, two hour Uber. So yes. that being said, you know, that happened and the puppy ate the pee pad while we were gone. So, you know, it balances I'm working out. out. It's all coming together.
0: Yeah, all I, I together. can't say that I have slept and like a good night's sleep because it's the, the dogs and the cats and the everything. So, um, but Jackie, we have a very exciting guest today. I don't know if you know yes. this, Jackie, but my yeah. dear, you oh. might know it since they're on with us. Yes. Um, so Helvetica Black is joining us today and Helvetica, we would love for you to introduce yourself. First of all, where are you physically? on the earth
2: today um right now physically on the earth i am in waco texas um well texas i'm in china spring so i'm like essentially in waco but like for all intents and purposes i'm in china spring that's like where <laughs> my address is um okay and then in the next like month or so i will move to the windy city i'm moving to chicago so that's hey!
0: very exciting, exciting. So, that's
1: awesome. <laughs> so excited for you yes, i'm very excited well, thank you so-
0: Tell our listeners a little bit about you uh, and, you know, we are excited to have you. So we'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself.
2: Thank you. I always like to say that I'm a um, writer, drag queen, socialist, icon extraordinaire. Um, I am... 21 years old, almost, um, and I uh, am a non-binary person. I'm a trans non-binary person. Um, My pronouns are they, them, out of drag, but I do prefer she, her when I am in drag. Um, And essentially I have two associate's degrees, one in political science and one in um, psychology, and I decided to use those for drag instead of what they are typically used for. Um, I... I just, uh, I believe that Black trans people are divine beings, and I uh, love to navigate life with this divinity in this way that um, I get to scope out and make sense of what gender is and how it exists and how it kind of weirdly, like, despite not being real because it's a construct, um, how on, uh, uh, like, race and gender both being social constructs, how they, in a weird way, both, like, brighten up my life as a trans person but also plague and dim it and I like to navigate those things and dissect it and um, like see where it gets me and um, right now it's gotten me to drag and I really love drag and I love um, art and um, also politics and um, I think that drag is inherently a very political art and so I um, I feel very inspired and um, driven at this moment to like use drag to navigate those there's issues in the world.
0: Awesome. So do you perform in drag?
2: Um, I do not perform yet. Um, okay. I'm actually, uh, I do. I mean, I take photos. I do. I sew. Um, I think I'm a very stunning makeup artist. Um, and I, I love to collaborate with my friends. Um, my future roommate uh, and my like drag lover um, Finn is a very beautiful drag artist and um, so lots of my art that I make with like Finn or my other friends or even just on my own is usually photo based um, but I did get to record some performances during the pandemic for like digital drag purposes but then when Texas like lost power because of the storms, um, I missed out on a couple performances but I'm excited to move to Chicago. To like finally, like hit the scene and, and dance around to some disco and like clown around with my drag friends. Like I'm very, I, I anticipate performing a lot.
1: I, awesome. I was going to ask you because, right at the time, it's like you're launching up and then pandemic. How do you think like the pan? <laughs> wah, wah. Um, wah, yeah, it's like, ooh, yeah. How do you think the the pandemic has affected drag overall? Like, um, what has been I the major the pan- change?
2: Um, I think the major, the uh, queer people, I think more than any people, um, community is what brings us together. It's what builds us up. It's what lifts us through. Um, I think about all of my, like, I actually spent a lot of time during the pandemic very sad for queer people who did not have access to other queer people, because sometimes queerness can be very lonely, especially in places like Waco, Texas. So like the ability to like see my friends, yeah, so like the ability to like see my friends, it like it shot down drastically. And I was like, this is actually very hard on me. And so, um, and, and what is good about drag? It's that it's this art that is incredibly personal to the performer, but is easily accessible to anybody because anybody can watch and participate in the art of drag. But when you say you can't go to clubs, you can't touch performers, you can't tip the dollar, you can't put on the heels and go shimmy around with your friends and be gay and merry. When they tell you that it's restricted to your home, it pulled a lot of life from the art form is what I seem to have found amongst all of my friends who were having issues with it. And I think it, yeah, it was just a very weird predicament where like queer people were like, for the first time in my life, I cannot sink into my community, at least in person. not only is queerness built on community, it's also, um, it's, it's built on sex, it's um, it's built on hugs, it's built on kisses, it's built on touch. And I feel like queer people were not allowed to touch each other for so long. And it, I think that like, if you were a queer single person, so you had no partner, you were at home the entirety of the pandemic by yourself, it was probably very like a depressing place for you. Um, I actually did not start doing drag until the pandemic. Um, it actually was like, the kick in the ass that I needed because I finally had the time. Um, and it gave me, um, I, I got to build like very small community, which has grown to very big community. Uh, I got to meet some of my literal favorite people. Um, and so, yeah, how, how did the pandemic affect queerness? I think that like it just stole the life from queerness um, in a way that people just never anticipated happening. And I just also feel like it was a problem that nobody was really catering to because people often do not think of queer people. And so when people were like, what should we be discussing during this pandemic? I was like, we should be discussing the fact that like, I am alone. My brothers and sisters are alone. My siblings are alone. My queer family, they are, they are separated. They are pulled apart and they are alone because in Texas and like other cities, uh, especially major cities, like at one point you could not leave your home. Like, they were, like, unless it is literally because you have to go to the hospital or you're out of milk, you are not allowed to be (laughs) at home. And if we catch you, yeah. yeah. And, like, I lived in Hewitt at that time. And somebody fully got arrested for going on a run. So, like, you couldn't even go on a run. You couldn't even, like, catch up with the girls outside. They were, like, you're just not allowed to do any of these things. And so I feel like queer people were really restricted in that way, Um, especially because so much of our relationship with one another is built on the ability to Touch it, it. It's built on this tangibility, of like I know queerness exists in other people because I can touch it and I can feel it and I can see it, and um, I think that sometimes it's 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 um it's very easy to think you're all alone when you're queer when there is not queerness directly in your face. If that is like registering, if that makes sense. I think
1: sense. it makes sense. And plus, some people found like some people already knew that maybe home where they lived may not be their safest place where they find their happiness. I know for a lot of us um, that do public speaking or work with people within diversity work, we're usually on stage Mm -hmm. and a lot of people were like, and I think it it wasn't that long before the payment. I I always say, I hate doing webinars. I think I did 300 (laughs) in the past year and a half because there was nothing (laughs) else to do and trying to make that transition and still be relevant right, and still Uh be relevant, and still, when you don't have that feedback, and I think part of what um, is important with the community is other people giving you that feedback, like you were talking, it's touching another Mm -hmm. person, you cannot get that through screen, you know, I just, yeah,
2: I completely, yeah, I completely agree, and I feel like it just, it wasn't really, I think because we were like prioritizing safety so much. Well, I mean, not really Texas in a weird way, but because safety right. was being prioritized by so many people, there are people like, there came a time where I was like, I have to sacrifice the ability to like see who I love and care about because I have to also, I have to be good to them and I have to prioritize their safety. And, it, it, and while like the selfish and small me was like, I want to see my friends. I want to give them a kiss on the cheek. I want to hug my people the 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 big me was like there are you can you can lose a hug for three more months if it means that your friends get to live to hug you another day. Right. And like that's that's genuinely how serious it was for some people. And I just feel like in a weird way um for some people it was very easy to just like be the small man and be like, I want this and I want it now. And I feel like because queer communities are communities that are not often looked after by other people outside of queer people uh queer people really had to be like oh well damn I am really restricted to myself you know and maintaining my queerness in a way and like it's uh, honestly like I always feel like I would probably wouldn't have made it to the pandemic had I not finally sat down and was like I'm gonna do drag Mm. so I think Obviously, good things come out of it, but I think also like in a in a very in another way, it was very it was incredibly painful. Um, I mean, like like, uh, like I I spoke of them earlier, but like um, Finn, who will be my roommate when I go to Chicago, um, we met a year ago on Instagram, like right as the pandemic was kind of starting. Um, and well, I guess it was like a year and a half ago now, but uh, about a year and a half ago, and we didn't really do a lot of talking. Um, but in the last like two months we've become very close, but I do remember being like, oh, this is somebody that I may never get to meet ever, never collaborate with, never be with in the same room, never hug, never touch, because this pandemic is literally changing everybody's life in this drastic way that nobody, like nobody can see in front of their own two hands. They were like, what the hell is going to go, like what the hell is happening? Um, and when... Every day I like to say that queer year, queer years are dog years. So every day felt like seven. I was like, oh my god, it's been three <laughs> every weeks. Every day and felt like, like seven yeah.
1: days.
2: Yeah, I was like, it's been like I was like, it's been like three weeks. And my friends were like, girl, it's been three days. And I was like, to, to you. To you, it's been three days. But so, to me, it feels like I've been locked in a room for a year. Yeah. Like it was it was a hard time for queer people, I believe. Yeah,
0: and so I, I love that you decided to start doing drag during this time. I mean, obviously as an expression of your personality, your, you know, who you are as a person. So tell us, so for those of you who are listening and not watching um, Helvetica, <laughs> I would love for you to, to describe yourself a little bit and kind of how you came up with Helvetica Black.
2: I see, okay. So I like to think of uh, on a gender scale as a non-binary person. Um, Helvetica is the pink to the blue that is assigned to who I am out of drag. Um, I don't believe in cis passing. I believe in cis assumed. And um, out of drag, because I have short hair and I typically wear masculine clothing and things of that nature, I am assumed a man. Um, And so sometimes my life is like heavily blue in a way that is very dark to me. Um, But Helvetica is the pink. She brings it all alive. She is this access to my femininity that I always get. And I love her a lot because of that. But at the same time, despite me being able to separate the two of us in my mind, I am also Helvetica. I am always her. She is always a part of me. It never really is a facade. I never, I'm not, uh, I mean, Jackie knows me out of drag and on a personal level. It's not anything different. I just have a wig on. Unless it's not a wig. I don't know.
1: You tell me. (laughs) And I think like, (laughs) so,
2: (laughs) yeah, so I think it, um, yeah, and how did I come up? Uh, my favorite font is Helvetica. And it is the, the best black, font. It's the best font. Uh, there's a great documentary on it if you've never seen it. It's I've a seen it. Documentary. It's amazing. But it's my favorite font, and so I just switched up those spelling because I wanted something a little more like, for lack of a better term, just something a little more like cunty i was like something just needs to be like fiercer about this (laughs) and so i took the c away because it's one of my least favorite letters and i put a k and i threw another h in the end to make it a full circle and then i added the black and dropped the c because we don't do c's in this house and um the black is obviously i was writing because i'm a writer and i was writing uh, something for a philosophy paper because i finished my second associates while i was in quarantine and I was writing in Helvetica and it like if you hold it over like a letter, it'll tell you like Helvetica, comma black. And I was like, Oh, that's a great name. And so I just like kind of put <laughs> it in the back is. of my head. <laughs> I like I, yeah, I was like, Oh, that's that's who she is. And um yeah, so and but then the black is also a reference to the fact that I am black. Um yep. I think that on a level, as a Black queer person, especially as a Black trans person, um, Black people are often asked, how are you prioritizing this as a Black person, as a woman, as a queer person? Like, how are you prioritizing this? And the truth is that life does not give me enough peace to ever separate my identity. I am always being asked and demanded and attacked upon the fact that I am Black and queer. And so my last name black is a connection to I, I think that Mina Simone once said that she thought that black people were the most beautiful creatures on the earth and I think that she was spot on. Um I think that there is a divinity amongst black people and there's a divinity amongst black queer people. Um and I and Helvetica is this like gold chain link that attaches me to that divinity at any moment. And that is something that I will always love her for because oftentimes out of drag, I am not allowed to access that. Out of safety, out of fear, out of people dimming it for me, no, what it, no matter what it is, how but I can always access it. And it's something that I find is very powerful about her. Have you ever found yourself scrolling through financial news and wondering, how does any of this affect me? How can I read a major headline and truly understand what impact that has on not only my portfolio, to engage in conversation with much more educated opinions and predictions. So be sure to check out our show, Inside the Street, wherever you find your podcast.
1: I love that, especially in freaking Waco, Texas, has a way of just smacking you down anyway. Like, it doesn't matter, yeah, right? Like, you're always whatever it is, it's just that small. Like you can really be feeling yeah. yourself and you go to H-E-B and then it throws everything out the window. And it's interesting how yeah. someone says, how do you, people expect, like you were saying, I am Helvetica Black, I am, yeah. you know. And then, but people are saying, oh, but I'm not talking to Helvetica. No, you always are.
2: It's you a always part are. of me. Yeah. Or yeah. someone
1: said to me once, I never, I said, everything that comes through my mouth is from the lens of a black woman. Regard- we could be talking mm-hmm. about fruit. It's a black woman talking to you about fruit. And they were like, I exactly. never thought of you like that. I was like, that. well, yeah, I should.
2: Yeah, right. I, think that it's, I think it's actually a very important thing that I am always very happy to tell people about is that um, marginalized groups that are also white, um, have the, like, whether that's a woman or a queer person, typically speaking, have an ability to pull it apart, to be like, today I answer as a woman, today I answer as a white person, today I answer this as a gay man, and tomorrow I answer this as just a white man. And queer people and black people are, uh, especially like just black people, um, I think over any other group, marginalized group of people, are not given that opportunity. Um, When a black woman is critiqued, she is being critiqued as a black woman, not as a black person it's like there's a reason that there's misogyny and also misogynoir because you cannot separate being a woman from being black because that is who you are every day when you walk the earth um i was watching dear white people again during the pandemic and there's a really beautiful line in there where one of the characters i believe her name is joelle she um is dating she's like getting into this guy but he's kind of a hotel like she has to like break it off and she tells him like because he's going on about how, like, it's so hard to be a Black man. And she goes, every single day, what you go through as a Black man, I go through, too, because I am Black. And then I come home and I take the brunt of it from you because I'm a woman. I don't get a break. There is no break for me. And that is how Black queerness, I feel, feels the exact same way. There is no break. There is no time where out of drag I have any rest or even in drag sometimes I have no rest because there is always something to be upheld. There's always something to be discussed. There's always something being attacked in a weird way. And so, yeah, there is no break. There is no, uh, today I'm just gonna be black because that'll be easier as if, but um, today, today I'm gonna be queer because the truth is that if someone looks at me They literally only see, they see a black person first. First. And if they can recognize queerness, they see me as a queer black person. Um, But I mean, once I start talking and I don't, I don't believe that there's any shame in queerness, so I don't hide my queerness, then it becomes a bigger problem for some people. And then it all unrolls. But in time, I will always be exposed to other people as a black queer person, which I think is um, very unique to how I navigate the world. And so I wouldn't give up either for a second because I think that like, first off, I would lose out and the people around me that are looking for my words would also lose out. Like, I think it's very important that like both are catered to and seen as equal. I am no less black and I am queer and vice versa. So that's how I feel about that, that kind of thing.
1: But you're also a beautiful person. I, so I have a weird question, yeah. like, <laughs> yes. do you feel like that is beneficial or a detriment like I feel like but I'm beautiful yeah do people like feel more open oh, like oh you're beautiful so now I'm going to come up to you and say all of these things based on um, looks alone and make assumptions because you're beautiful on top of it and then it's like oh yeah political science and then you just like drop the hammer <laughs>
2: um well first off thank you so much Jackie oh, yeah. um I uh, um I think that yes um i don't know how you feel about this as a black person um and uh katie i don't know if professionals think you've ever realized about black people but there are some black people who are considered more palatable to white people Mm -hmm. i have a bright smile i have a beautiful face i have kind words to give to people and i'm very well spoken not for a black person i'm just well spoken for a person um and I think that, yes, in a way, um, because, of, because I am given that access, because of how I am viewed by my cis, straight, white counterparts, uh, whether those are commas between or just one person, um, I am often put in a position where I now have the opportunity, because I have this access, to look people in the eye and be like, also, by the way, um, now that I have you all here because you're right, right. talking about my smile and you're talking about my skin, <laughs> right. and you're talking about whatever, I'm like I'd also like to remind you that black people are killed for no reason in this country. America hates queer people, and you should give all of your money to black trans people. I think that like there's all because that that is how that is how I have reshaped the tool. Um I believe that every sword has two edges, unless it's a katana, but like why carry a katana if I could have a broadsword? And my broadsword on one side is. I'm very hot, beautiful, and sexy. And on the other side, it's also, you don't get to forget that my people are in danger. Um, and so I think it's about always using that access in that way. I found myself, um, actually, totally so Clayton in high school. It's something that we had in common is that um, we were black people who our white administrators adored. We were given lots of access and lots of podiums to stand on to spout our ideas off and I think that we never for a moment didn't take an opportunity to be like by the way do not mm-hmm. forget about your black students not forget about your queer students they all matter and so I think that yeah that, I think it's, it, it comes down to that like um nobody in this world is without privilege it quite literally can't exist unless you're I mean unless you're um I mean, like, not even too dramatic, but unless you're literally the child born into Africa with AIDS, and you die at the age of two, everybody in this world has privilege that they can access. So I think about uh, my privilege as a palatable black person, how do I use that to uplift and celebrate black people who are not found as as palatable? Uh, 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 Yeah, like palatable. And then when it comes to like, uh, being cis assumed, I have to stand up for women, I have to stand up for queer people who look more femme, because I have this access because of how I am perceived by other people. Um, and I think so I like my biggest message sometimes to people is like, white people, if your black friends are telling you shit is weird, believe them. cis people, if your trans friends say shit is weird, believe them. Like, if men, if women are telling you shit is weird, do not for a second say, what do you mean? Just believe them because nobody in this world chooses victimhood. I, it's a very hard thing to get out of. And I think even as black people in America, sometimes we're just innately seen as victims in a way that is bad for us. And so I think that like, if there is privilege to be used, use it. And otherwise, like, why, why even have it? Unless, and if and you're only using it to make your own life comfortable, I believe you're doing the wrong thing.
1: That, I, think I that's love that.
0: Yeah, that's such a good point. And I I love the idea that you need to leverage whatever that privilege is that you have. But also we talk about this quite a bit on this podcast because it is something that we know comes up in so many different parts of our lives. It's listen and believe it's that, you know, that second piece of like, not just listening, but also validating the experience that that person has. Whether you've had yeah. that experience or not, this is their perception, this is their experience, this is what they are going mm-hmm. through. And I think exactly. that's the piece yeah. that folks sometimes miss is that
1: yeah. believing
0: part. As exactly. a trans person, as a black person, this is what ha- I have experienced or this is what is happening mm-hmm. to me every single day and being able to yeah. say, I don't know that experience because I have not had it, but I believe that mm-hmm. you, ha- this is what you're living through, this is what you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I just think that's yeah. great. Like, thank you. Because I think that's a great and valid point thank that you. folks forget sometimes.
1: I would say yeah, you have I to assume that, their truth. That's what's yeah. annoying is that and what, what is I think what is this is what happens that that I get really triggered. So, you know, I'm a black woman and I say, you know, Chris said something that was inappropriate and racist. And then they yeah. they turn it into a threat over somebody who already knows what it's like to be marginalized. Like, are you saying they're a racist? Mm-hmm. Should we fire them? Right. And then you're yeah. just like, because of being all of the things that you've experienced, you don't want somebody to lose the livelihood for their whole family. When yeah, that doesn't go on the flip side, right? Mm-hmm. When they say, like when Karen in Central Park calls, you know, the cops because she's mad, because somebody's mad. She's not thinking, oh, like this could be the end of this person's life slash career. At all,
2: yeah, there's no, I think that in a weird way, but also not at all. There is (laughs) an empathy deficit in the world, Mm -hmm. um, especially, actually not the world. Let me just, let me actually make it smaller. There is an empathy deficit in America. Yeah. Because of things like rugged individualism, you believe you've taken the brunt of it, no matter what. And the truth of the matter is that you're picking up daisies compared to the next person. Everybody. Right. There's always somebody who has it worse. And I think that, like, I, I am Black. I am trans. I'm non-binary. I live in the South. I live in a Republican state, and I'm a socialist. Like, I could beat most people in the Oppression Olympics. Like, I'm Simone <laughs> Biles, and they're trying to play catch-up. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is like I don't. Helvetica as a goat. That.
0: Just so we all know, Helvetica <laughs> a goat. <laughs> right.
2: That's right. Thank you. Um, I don't want to do that. I want to use the space that I have to uplift people who are worse off than me because life is too short to spend it all the time being beat up, in my opinion. And I just think that things like intersectionality and having people who are intersectional take the, you know, like, I don't want to ever, like, it's like uh, how affirmative action has actually only served white women statistically, and how there's no reason that a person at the head of HR should be cis and white, um, because they quite literally lack the, the intersectionality to empathize with a certain amount of people. And so I think that, like, when we're talking about intersectionality and how powerful it is, all it does is create more web. I tell people that intersectionality is like bilingualism if you speak Spanish and English, you're doing great, because you can speak to people who speak Spanish, and people who speak English, and then you can meet other people, and you're like, oh my God, do you speak both too? But let's say you speak Spanish, English, French, and Russian. You've quadrupled who you can touch, you've quadrupled who you can reach, you know, and experiences like Blackness are not universal, but they do manifest in similar ways to like, how misogyny affects white women, and how Uh, queer phobia affects some queer people. And so you have this intersectionality and you can be able to touch these people. And so I think that like, people are like, is it not so much for you to be black, trans, queer and a drag queen? Like, is that not too much? And I'm like, it's almost not enough. I'm like, I'm looking for the next thing because I want to be able to reach more people. And I think that is very important. And I feel like in a weird way, like, empathy, especially in the past four years in America has just been wiped from the lips of people and people who are empathetic are seen as weak instead of being strong. Empathy is hard to know your own stuff but also take on other people's and look out for them and teach them and help ne- help them navigate. It is a very hard thing. And so um, I think that like all we should be doing right now in a sort of, in this weird way is like flexing this muscle of empathy and learning how to look after other people and how to open doors for other people, why would you climb up a ladder and pull it up after you when you see a line of people who look just like you? And I think that, like, America teaches us to pull the ladder, that if they want it bad enough, Mm
1: -hmm. they
2: will build their own ladder and climb over the wall. And it's like, I don't think you understand that some people have never seen a ladder. They don't know what it does. They don't know how it works. And I think that, like, I think I think we just need to get to this point where people are normalizing. Um, actually, let me not say normalize because it's such a buzzword right now. I think that we should destigmatize leading the ladder behind, uh-huh. helping people up. Um, I realize that nepotism is really celebrated amongst like rich, affluent white people, but it's really looked down amongst like immigrants and black people and queer people. They're like, how dare, how dare a gay man? Like, I think of like RuPaul. And as problematic as RuPaul has been, I think that like RuPaul has laid out plenty of ladders for queer people. And people are like sometimes people are like, how dare how dare and she And hated do for that? it. And hated for it. And people are like, And how like how dare she do that? And do I think that RuPaul has lots of crimes to answer for? Yes I do. And I have the handcuffs and I'm waiting. But I think <laughs> I think I think also like I'm like like I'm like drag race and all of these other things are these beautiful ways to uplift queer people and to bring other people up the ladder. And when in through Paul it's critiqued, but like people are perfectly okay with the fact that like the Trumps only lift up each other. Right. Like that's normal. like God forbid, like Right. Somebody open up, you know, like, I I, I not And think, RuPaul, like, um, when you think
1: about it, was the only one, sorry. But RuPaul was the only one who could do that. For a long there time. There is not, yeah. uh, you know, now plenty. But when it first started, because yeah. they were, like you were saying, more palatable. This is one mm-hmm. um, everybody knows RuPaul and we've had this and it's been a long time. So there is a yeah. certain level of, of acceptance where, especially mm-hmm. like, well, that there's been, we'll have there's to been have two enough
2: dr- yeah, Over there's cocktails. been two drag rena- Yeah, there's been two drag renaissances in the '90s. RuPaul's at the head of it, and in the 2010s and RuPaul's at the, the head of it.
1: That's I think
2: right. that he. I think that like RuPaul's literal Black history and does deserve a lot of flowers. And I think that at the same time, um, he probably has a lot of stakes that he has to be burned on as well. But that also is just territory that comes. Nobody is perfect. There's always. There's always the, the, the like, the man that's behind the mirror, not the man that's just looking in it. So I think that, um, I think that, yes, really great person, has uplifted a lot of queer people in a brilliant way, but also has lots of crimes to answer for. But who doesn't? Who has lifted people up? Um, and so, yeah, I just think that, like, there's this weird empathy deficit that we're suffering. And I think that, like, um, the reason it's so important that, like, podcasts like this exist and, like um shows like Drag Race exist is because they open up the world to empathy like what you guys are doing here in the title alone is incredibly empathetic work um and like there is no weakness in that you know like I know you've had on. Like the love of my life, Ghoulie, really. and I think like that is so. We I'm like all, that is. So like, I'm sorry, the love of all of our
0: lives. All of our lives. There. The yes. love of
2: all of our lives. Who literally doesn't love Gooly? <laughs> oh my god, I love Gools. I just <laughs> talked to them today. They're so lovely. Um, yeah, it's like, it's it's like just like, just like something like this is what. These are the conversations that have to happen, whether it's being record on, recorded on a Zoom meeting or whether you're literally like shooting on a breadstick in the hallway at work with like your server friend you're like girl what the fuck is going on like even if it's something as simple as that it is still an incredibly beautiful thing um and I think that people should not be as scared to speak in this weird way there's people who are like not afraid to say anything and there are people who are afraid to literally pull up anything the first thing I sit down at Thanksgiving and say is who'd you guys vote for you know like I want the drama I want the conversation to spill over I want that kind of, like, that back and forth, I want that play, and I think that, like, um, the more those conversations happen, the more doors will be open for people, because just more will be realized, I think, that, like, how do you know what it's like to be a Black queer person if you won't let one talk, if you won't let one speak to you, so I think that um, empathy is just something that people should really, like, rest into, and, um, and I think that, for some reason, people are really scared of that right now, and I don't know how to fix it, because I'm a I'm a, a little small black drag queen from the South, but I think that like I do, it is like, I think that it is like something people should like look out for. Well, it's just
0: two empathy. Things, yeah. Two things that you said there that I think are are really important. It's the, you know, you're saying, you know, I, I like the drama. I like to push that and it's, there's power in that. There's power in saying, yeah, let's have that hard conversation because whether you know it or not, it, you know, Jackie and I kind of joke around about the influencer topic and in a different way mm-hmm. that I think a lot of folks are talking about it. We're not talking about taking pictures and, you know, that kind of thing, yeah. We're talking about like, mm-hmm. how are you mm-hmm. lifting others up? How are you bringing others to the table, to the conversation and to your point, yep, giving before. them the mic to say, tell us, tell us the things, tell mm-hmm. us the things that are, I mean, they're like CIS assumed. That's a word I had not heard before. So I, thank you for yes. sharing that one with me. I had that, yeah, that's a new course. one. That's why me.
1: we do the show. I love that too. Yeah, that is very cool. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that's <laughs> not <laughs> too much <laughs> <raves> are there. <laughs> no, I, the, the, the power though that you are,
0: are taking and using by saying, let's have those conversations. Let's do this. Let's show yeah. up in such a way and let's be who we really are. And it's okay and it's not scary. And you know, you're gonna be on our YouTube channel. They're gonna be able to see you. They're gonna hear you speak and know that, um, yes, you are very creative. Yes, you have all of these things, but also you're just a human as well. And and that is a beautiful thing as well. Like, I think that's Mm -hmm. the piece that folks also, it's the, if I don't know someone who is black, non-binary, Uh, transgender, you know, all of these different things. They're like, oh, I don't know anyone like that. You're like, well, you probably do. But also here is someone and it's not scary and it's not going to hurt you and everything. Like and embracing that and being able to kind of um, see people for who they are as humans is critical. So sorry, Jackie, I know you're going to say something else.
1: No, I just feel like I know that we're going to have to have a part two because of the whole political side and bringing that stuff, I think is really important. Like we just this is just the opener to Helvetica. Right. (laughs) There's like, and that was the same thing with the thing that was funny with ghoulies that literally, if you've listened to our podcast, me and Katie never are lack for words. We were literally gagged. We were literally both sitting there like, and similar to you. It's like, oh, you're just, you know. Clayton's more friend that, like, whatever, you're going mm-hmm. to go, you know, eat fries and go, like, to the Crick. No. Because we live no. in Waco. Yeah. But no. she <laughs> just said we're going to go
0: have breadsticks at Olive Garden right. with the Alfredo right. or the uh, but, yeah,
1: whatever. Full yeah, yeah. No, yeah. And so, it's like, it oh, oh, and in a weird way, it's like, <laughs> oh, thank goodness that, you know, there are people, people like you give me hope. People like you give me hope because I know that you're there, right? Like I know that this is happening and that these missions and it's easy to be really separated, you know, and uh, from, from real issues, especially the more jobs you have and the more things you have and the Mm -hmm. more puppies you have, you're just sidetracked. So then it's like, what's going on? And so for this, I think that's, I think that it's, great to know I just I don't know for some reason it just makes me feel better.
0: and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I like completely agree. I think that like um, recently, I've been, I went through a very like dramatic moment with my transness, um, where. Um, I think that there are like two very common ways nonbinaryness manifests in people, because if gender is a spectrum, and you have masculine over here and you have feminine over here, most nonbinary people or some would like say they float, they go back and forth. Some would say they're the dead middle. But for me and how I experience gender, I don't think there should be a spectrum, because I think a spectrum insinuates there is a way to cap a masculinity. Mm and cap at femininity. And there is no way to do that because they're not real. And so I kind of did away with the system. And then for a while I was really feeling like, sometimes I, I was having these moments where it was so dramatic. I was like, if I was just a woman, that would be easier. Because this like weird in between was like really daunting on me. And um, I remember somebody told me they were like, all people want. Is to feel seen. That's all they want. They want somebody who sees them, and they're like, "Oh my goodness, you make like ex- you make perfect sense to me." You know what I mean? And I have queer friends, um, but they're not trans, so they can't ascertain my transness. They can't ascertain my non-binaryness. And lots of them are also white people, so they can't ascertain my blackness. Does um, shallow racism, like the and like like slurs and like. Trumpies does it does it hurt my feeling no I know that I sit in a place that is just higher so I'm like I'm okay um but like the way that racism seeps in and gets really dark for me sometimes is that like my blackness can't be ascertained by white people because there is no experience like the black experience and so there is almost no empathy to give you know and um but when i went to chicago and visited a month ago i met my roommate finn for the first time and i i texted my i texted my uh really good friend hallie and i was like i feel like i've just been seen for the first time in my entire life and that is a really powerful thing that i feel like people short themselves on is like because it seems really vulnerable to be like i just want to be seen i want i want to make sense to somebody and um people are kind of scared of that thing. And so I think what happens when queer people see each other and uplift each other um, is then they start linking arms and they start marching together and they leave these problems. I think something that's very often said in a very supportive way, but in a way that kind of makes you like scoff and turn my head is like people will say like, as a black person, as a trans person, what do you need from me? And the truth is I don't need anything from you. I know i'm divine, I know I am different. I walk with this this unshakable confidence that can, no one can shake it. I know exactly who I am and what i'm supposed to do, and I am comfortable in any way that it manifests, whether that would be like a full medical transition one day whether that's me just being a drag queen whether that's me getting to write essays about it or get to do podcast episodes with lovely women about it like whether whether it's any of those things it's like I am sure you need me to unlock the chains off of you because being a gender variant person I understand that I understand what gender does and how it, it shackles people and how it hurts people. But not only do I understand that, I have also freed myself. I surround myself with people who have freed themselves. And so I think that like uh, when, it, when we talk about this empathy deficit, we talk about how can we learn? I think the truth is like, I don't think you need to, in a weird way, you don't need us to teach you. You need us to lead you. And i feel like because cis straight and white people have and, and sometimes all three because sometimes they because they've always been on top they feel like because they have all this power they're supposed to somehow within their own power make sense of who we are and the truth is is that you don't need to you don't need you do not need to make sense of who we are you need to release the power you need to let it shift you need to let other people take control and other people navigate because um, I think that something that like people don't like to discuss about gender is that like, um, transphobia and homophobia in Africa and like in Africa and like in other indigenous groups of people is a result of colonization. It is a result of colonialism. They did not exist. Queer people were seen as these heavenly bodies, these two-spirited individuals. Um, if you were gay in Africa in some ancient civilization, you were, you were deemed royalty right away. Because they thought how divine that you need to repro- that you need to procreate. You are the last of your kind. You are the first and you are the last, and that is divine. And I think that what has to happen is those people who are now accessing that, like me, and people like Boolean and people like Finn, and people like Clayton. Like those people need to lead, because those people have answers about themselves that will have answers for all of the other questions people have to ask. And so not a closing statement, but like one of my big statements I wanted to make here today when I talked to you guys was like, like, how do you build empathy and, um, and how do you lead with empathy? You let people who are intersectional, people who possess more empathy, On a semantic space you let them lead you let them tell you where to go and if you're scared to follow that's okay because the work is also being done for you because that fear is unsafe that fear is sad you know and so um i think that um like last summer you know when um america was debating if black people deserve to get killed in the street or not um i remember hearing a lot of people be like you just need to let us lead you need to listen to us you need to grab onto our hands grab onto our hips if we're willing to let you and you need to listen to us because we know things you don't because we have an access to things you do not possess. And so I think that that is a rollover in any, in anything. I think that like, um, how do I understand more about gender? Why don't you let people who don't really believe in gender tell you about it? Like, uh, how do I navigate race? Why don't you let people who get the brunt of racism tell you what the fuck is going on? You know, I think it's, one of, I think it's that situation and I feel like people are just, really scared to follow when when who they're following looks nothing like them you know and weirdly enough in this really crazy way if the person you're following looks nothing like you they will probably do more for you than anybody who does especially when it comes to like being queer uh in any capacity gay trans bisexual um, I think that like that is just a very, a very important thing that I think people should be paying attention to. You know, like um, Guli, as a Tejano indi- indigenous person, has an access in Texas to these innate things that Gregory Abbott would turn the blind eye to. Mm-hmm. People like Gooley should be leading Texas. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and so I think that yeah, it's very important to like just I don't know sometimes just like shut up and listen like I just think you can learn so much sometimes if you just shut up and listen to people and um and just don't forget that like uh what might seem loud and crazy to you is maybe just somebody trying to be seen you know is just trying to find somebody who hears them and sees them um and if you don't possess the capability to hear and see everybody let somebody who does walk the walk and talk the talk let them lead the way and I think that like there would just be so much more peace in the world if people just allowed certain kinds of people to lead. But for so long, those people have been told they aren't capable of leading and they shouldn't lead. So right. that's, that's more of like a rundown, you know, there's a trickle down effect of why those things can exist. But um, yeah, I do find it to be very important. And um, so.
0: yeah. So uh, okay. we do a little thing on our podcast at the end of each episode where yeah, uh, we share one thing that we wanna make sure folks do hear or do learn from the episode. So, mm-hmm. um, Jackie, I'm gonna give you the mic first. What, what you got?
1: It, always so hard. I think, I think the main thing really, I love, the, I love the shut up and listen part, but also the leading, right? It's not teaching, it's leading. I think that's mm. great. Because we try to explain that when we're talking about include being inclusionary is is I'm just everybody has their own journey that they have to go through. So one class or one book or one, you know, person speaker isn't enough. That's why we try to have be inclusive AF on inclusive AF because the more voices and the more things you get, the more opportunities so I think I'm. I'm going to do that. I'm going to say okay.
0: that. Um, mine is going to be. It's similar. It's the kind of that power, like handing over the power, and you know, I think we. There is a humility in handing over power, and there is, you know, talking about that empathy deficit. I, I, I love that because I think, being able to say, I'm going to step back and not be in power. And and be led and and be taught by someone else is such a a killer concept because I think it's just something that no one wants to give up power. No one wants to say I don't know. And so being able to step back and say that um, I think just takes such humility and it's something that we all need to do a better job of. But I think also that empathy deficit um, we're seeing that everywhere now. Where you know you know you're kind of mentioning the There's always, you know, even RuPaul, uh, you know, you mentioned the, the strides that have been made because of RuPaul, but there's still some things and it's that that Mm -hmm. there's always, there's still some things or there's always something and being able to say just, wow, what RuPaul has done for the transgender community for, um, for folks that are doing drag and are part of the drag community. Wowzers. Like that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And like, I I think that's the piece too. like being able to kind of be empathetic enough to say, hey, I I can't sit here and say I'm perfect or I've always done the right thing in any way, shape or form. So having that grace Mm -hmm. as well to say what strides people are making, I mean, the fact that we are having you on here and you're sharing so much about yourself that that is personal. Yeah. I really appreciate it. I'm going to stop talking now because I had like a hundred things from this episode, but that's all. I. <laughs>
1: have to have a part two. I'm telling you. I still yeah, like exactly. a whole like, exactly. I never I got to any to. of my you
2: questions. You guys are awesome. <laughs> oh.
0: All right. Miss <laughs> uh, Helvetica Black, what is your one thing?
2: Um, I would like to, um, I guess I would just like take a, take this, like, this, a similar note from like you ladies. And I would say like, um, you know, if, 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 if you, if you've, if you, uh, If you've been a RuPaul, you know, like, I think RuPaul has done great things, but he's had his time. Step back. The people you've helped uplift, you now have capped at your ability to empathize, and they need to lead. They need to go Mm -hmm. forward. And then you can can still maintain his power and host his TV show and, you know, do his thing. But, like, you know, like, let the girls step forward. Let the dolls do what they need to do. um, Because Mm -hmm. they hold the keys to the kingdom now. Um, And I think... Yeah, I think, like, the last thing I would say to, like, elaborate on it all would be um, that queerness is brilliance and Blackness is excellence, and I think that if you have the privilege of of, of a Black queer person or a Black person or a queer person allowing you into this circle where they feel that they are safe with you, when you step into that circle and when you leave that circle to go forth into whatever else you do in your life, take what they tell you within that circle and bring it to everybody else because nobody will be shorted because of it. Everybody will be better off. And I think that, yeah, we just have to get to a point where we normalize. We just normalize the ability to just say, okay. I have my I've had my one of the most powerful things when you open up space for people is not to even be like they told me this and so now I'm telling you it could be to like instead of me telling you what they told me let me let them tell you Mm -hmm. you know um you know let me make them a guest on a podcast instead of me just taking the information they've said and run with it let me you know um I mean don't make it as vague in like a paper of like this person once told me. Say <laughs> a Black once told me. Clayton Clayton once told me. Guli Alvarez once told me. Like th- like that is important. Like that is powerful. And um and then um and then just to also know that if 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 you're cis and you're listening or you're white and you're listening or you're straight and you're listening, just know that like There is so much to know from these people and you will short yourself if you don't finish this episode. You will short yourself if you don't, you know, like if, 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 the, if you've seen previews of Pose and it's Peter and it's just you ever went on Netflix and watched it, you shorted yourself if you've been to a drag show and you've seen previews for a drag race, you're like, I'd like to know more about this. I'd like to know what these people are like, and you haven't done it, do the work, go do it. You know, like always take that extra step. Always take that next step. Um, because for queer people and the battles that they fight, what is a small step for you could make a mile of a difference for them. You know, like, I think that, like, I think that if you're homophobic and you can watch Drag Race and not enjoy it, you are just don't like being happy, you know? Like, I think that it's, like, it, it, it's, as, it's literally as simple as that. Um, and so I, I think that, like, yeah, just open yourself up to being opened up. And I think that, like, in no way will you ever regret it. It'll always, always be so powerful and so freeing. Um, and then... Yeah. And believe black people and believe queer people and believe women.
0: Awesome. Awesome. All right. How can people find you?
2: Um, My at is Helvetica Black, H-E-L-V-E-T-I-K-A-H-B-L-A-K on um, Instagram and Twitter. My Facebook is still my actual personhood because of employment. But yeah, just Instagram and Twitter is a great way (laughs) to find me. Um, go like my post, share my art. Uh, If I've tagged a creator that I've collaborated with, follow them and share their art. I would also like to take the time to tell you guys about three brilliant artists. who I think that like you ladies and everybody else should follow. Follow Finn Levi, It's F-I-N-N-L-E-V-I. I -I. I believe there's an underscore after it. They're brilliant. They're amazing. Follow Marnock Mocs, um, which is this Marnock and then M-A-T-S. On Instagram, they're another brilliant trans person that I know that makes art. Um, follow Guli Alvarez. I know they've already been on here, but like follow them. Follow Clayton at Banana Bread and Clayton. If, just, um, if, if I have tagged a queer creator, go celebrate them and uplift them because the love that they get it feels like love to me.
0: So. Aww. Awesome. Love it. Love, yeah. it. love it. Love it. Love it. Well, Helvetica Black, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you guys Um, so much for
0: having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, This is Katie Van Horn. And this is Jackie
1: Clayton. See, That was pretty good, right? I'm working on it. Bye. Bye. Bye.